millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. We hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. We've turned the page in the calendar to December, and that means we've turned the page into meteorological winter. Great Lakes in the Northeast been dealing with some bouts of cold and snow, but we're still waiting for a big snowstorm along the eastern seaboard. Looks like we'll have to wait on that. We've got some snow across the northern tier of the United States this weekend, and that storm will bring a big mess to the eastern seaboard with rain and wind Monday with some inland snows as we get into the early part of next week. We'll talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond in our final segment of this week's podcast. But up first, while COVID and the stories of the advance of the new Omicron strain are dominating the news, over the last few weeks, there's been a sharp rise in the number of flu cases, especially among the younger crowd. So I wanted to get you the latest information on this flu season, which will be vastly different from last year's with an expert from the CDC. And then we'll talk to a doctor who's become a household name in many radio markets across the northeast part of the United States to get some context. Friends, your health is important, and we talk about it as it's time to talk about everything under the sun. With AccuWeather's World Headquarters located in State College, Pennsylvania, just steps away from Penn State University, I've been acutely aware of an explosion in the amount of flu in the Penn State students and across the uh, gamut of younger folks here over the last couple of weeks. In fact, uh, it's been a little scary to me being around them so much. I have not gotten the flu, but certainly with our firm focus in our lives on COVID, so many other health issues have fallen by the wayside. And certainly we're living differently this year than we were last year. It was a typical year with dealing with the flu last year because of the lockdowns and masks and everything. So first, I want you to get an official update from the CDC about the flu situation now and what they expect. And then we'll sit down and talk to medical editor Brian McDonough. Dr. McDonough has been a household name on 1010 Winds and many other radio stations and television stations in the Northeast. He has a great handle on the context of how we're dealing with not only the flu and COVID, but other health issues as we start making our way through winter. We welcome into Everything Under the Sun, Dr. Michael Young, Assistant Director of Science at the Centers for Disease Control. All right, Dr. Young, I I said in the setup, it uh, is my experience here in the last couple of weeks where I'm seeing a lot of flu, especially in the younger people um, that I deal with uh, through Penn State University, through athletics and other things. And uh, it looks like that flu bug is is ramping up and seeing lots of stories here in the last uh, day or two where the CDC is putting out a, a, some, some advisories here about the flu. And so I think obviously with COVID being back in the news with this new Omicron strain and, and, and that situation, I did want to spend a little time 
time here in this podcast this week talking about the flu and its problems, especially after a year of not really having much problems with flu because of the way we were all behaving around the situation with the pandemic last year. So kind of give us a sense of what the CDC is is talking about and thinking about and some of their concerns about the flu as we head into the heart of the flu season. Let me start by saying that it's a little bit too early in the flu season for us to know whether it's going to be a big season or a bad season or, or a typical season. Any of those things would be different from what we saw last year, which was not a typical flu season. That said, we are at CDC hearing the same stories and seeing the same things that you are. We've noticed that the flu activity has been picking up across the country, and it's still low, mind you, but it's increasing. It's increasing in areas that have a little bit higher population density, uh, bigger cities, and in places where people are in pretty close contact, like college campuses. Similar to what you've mentioned, um, we are investigating with partners in Michigan at the University of Michigan and at the state health department there, uh, an outbreak of influenza on their campus there. So we're seeing the same things you're seeing. We are concerned about flu this season for a couple of reasons. First, we know that immunity to flu is likely less among the population than it was in previous years. That's because we didn't see much flu last year. People weren't exposed to it. We're really pushing influenza vaccine for that reason, because we think it's the best way to protect folks against flu. If they haven't seen it in a while, they might be less protected via natural immunity. And we're also concerned with flu because we still have a COVID pandemic going on. And we know that the stress on the healthcare system from COVID alone is enormous. Combine that with added cases of influenza, it could be a bad situation. Do you have statistics, doctor, where where we are in terms of how many people have gotten the influenza vaccine for this season so far? Uh, does that seem like it's higher, lower, or right in the numbers of where it normally is this time of year? That as well is a little bit too early to tell. Um, compared with this time last year, the numbers are relatively similar, but there are some groups of people for whom vaccination coverage is less this year than last year. And this is worrisome because some of those groups are uh, pregnant people and uh, children. And these folks are at higher risk of complications from flu if they were to get flu. So we're concerned about that. And we're really trying to push vaccination on folks who haven't been vaccinated yet. We're hearing this, um, you know, discussion going on now in terms of Omicron and whether or not the current vaccine for COVID will be effective or not. Still in that situation that you're talking about in some ways with the flu, too early to tell yet here as we drop this podcast this week. But we'll get that information as more and more information comes out about that here in the next couple of weeks. I think some people are reticent against the flu uh, vaccine because, you know, the, the excuses I hear, well, they never get it right. You know, I, I had the flu, but it wasn't the one that they were protecting and da, 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 da. Where are you at in this year in terms of the prediction of what flu strains are going to be most problematic for people as we go through this flu season? Unfortunately, that also is too early to tell. We've got flu vaccines. Every flu vaccine right now that we're giving to people in the United States is protecting against four different flu viruses. You're right. It's it's a hard thing to do to predict this accurately every year because we have to do it very quickly and oftentimes without all the information we would like to have. That said, 
for those people who say, I don't want to get a flu vaccine, I got one before and I still got the flu, I'd like to remind them that flu vaccine not only helps prevent infection in the first place, but it does help to attenuate or decrease the effects of an infection if people were to get uh, infected and have flu after they were vaccinated. It might prevent them from going to the hospital or from something worse. Is there any um, amount of space that needs to occur uh, between um, a flu vaccine shot and then uh, either if you haven't been vaccinated for COVID yet or I'm just in line here to get my booster in the next couple of weeks. Uh, is there any situation where if you want to pick one or the other and have to wait or can those be done concurrently? There's no time space at all. They can be done concurrently. They can be given at the same visit. We would suggest some physical distancing so that you don't put the needle in the exact same spot right. for each uh, vaccine, but they can be given um, in different arms or different limbs um, on the same day at the same visit. Anything, doctor, you'd like to add here as uh, we look at this? Uh, when will we know? Maybe that's the question to leave uh, with you. When will we get some kind of ideas if these early fears are being realized? I know the thing that makes me nervous is, you know, all that younger population that's we're starting to see some of these rises, they're in a position to be going back to their communities here, the ones that are on college campuses and school and stuff. And and for the holiday break are going to be around uh, other people uh, significantly uh, older and and could uh, be spreading that. So I think when will we know if uh, some of the, the concerns that I brought up here this morning are being realized? Well, you're right about that. We um, we typically see younger folks drive community transmission of flu, and it happens in a in a way similar to what you've described. They mix in settings like schools um, or after school activities, and then they go home and give flu to their family members, uh, whether that be in the same city, state, or in a different country. Really, we usually see peaks in flu activity in maybe a month to three months from now. So we're likely not to know how bad of a season we're going to have, how severe a season we're going to have until several months from now. And we likely won't know how well the vaccine does to protect until well after that time. I'll just remind folks to, to get vaccinated if they haven't been vaccinated yet. Uh, pay attention to their health. It's possible to get flu and COVID at the same time. Um, so there are several reasons, maybe more reasons this year than before to pay attention to their health. If they get a respiratory illness, don't hesitate to contact uh, healthcare services to get uh, to get tested, to see if you have flu, to see if you have COVID. There are treatments that they can get that certain people can get for flu. So we encourage folks to find out quickly if they have it so that they can be treated quickly. Dr. Michael Young, thank you for joining us here on Everything Under the Sun. My pleasure. Now let's get some context and all of that in terms of the way we have to deal with uh, our lives here, not only thinking about the flu, but also the new Omicron strain of COVID and so many other health factors. Dr. Brian McDonough has become a household name on radio stations across the Northeast, also television stations too. McDonough is a clinical professor of family medicine at Temple University School of Medicine. He also has his own practice and he's been dispensing common sense information about things like the flu and other health issues for years. He's taken on bigger importance here in this COVID pandemic for his listeners. It's my pleasure to welcome a guy who I've shared a lot of airtime with over the years, but never really sat down and talked to in depth in person. Dr. Brian McDonough comes into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com.
First of all, we're just kibitzing here before we do the interview that uh, Brian and I have worked together on 1010 Wins, but haven't really ever met in person. So it's actually good to spend some time with you, my friend, as uh, your uh, medical reports have been part of the 1010 Wins uh, landscape for for decades now and all throughout uh, the country in the Northeast. Uh, you have a presence where people know who Dr. Brian McDonough is, and I'm, I'm glad and honored to have you on the podcast. Let's start with the thing that I wanted to talk to you uh, most about, because I think in all of this uh, increase in interest and, and, and opportunity to learn more and more every minute about the new COVID uh, strain here, the, the Omicron or Omicron variant, um, we're losing some of the other pieces of the health problems that I see around me every day. And as I talked in the opening part of our podcast, being in a college town, we've had amazing amounts of flu over the last two or three weeks going through the population. It's uh, hampered a lot of college football teams. If you've been watching college football lately, there's been uh, games where there's been 20 players that have been severely affected out of their 100 man roster. But it's certainly um, with all of the focus on COVID, Brian, over the last two years now, the flu situation, I think, is, has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. And, and, and would you agree with me that we're seeing a, a really big spike in, in influenza? And it seems to be more going towards the younger kids right now, the, the younger population uh, right now. Um, and, and it's concerning to me because uh, it, it, these are you know situations I've heard people sick for a week or two with some of this non-COVID related flu bug kind of situation. Yeah, you bring up a lot of interesting points, Dean, and I think it is. It, it is like so many other things. It, indirectly, it can be blamed on COVID in a strange way, and I'll tell you why. Um, we first saw this last summer. Um, there's a virus that can attack babies and young children called respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. It's a wintertime virus, and in a very small percentage of babies, the reason we worry about it so much is in this small percentage percentage of babies, it can get really bad. They have to be hospitalized. They get dehydrated. They need oxygen. So it's a big deal. But it's always been this, you know, November to February thing. Well, last summer, most of the pediatric hospitals, we really didn't cover the story much, were filled with young babies with RSV. The, the pediatric units, they had RSV in the summer, and it's continued throughout the fall and, and, and you know, the late fall. And we're like, what the heck's going on? Well, think about it. We went through basically an entire year where we were sh shut away from each other, right. huddled away. And when we were out, we're wearing masks. Uh, most people were trying to social distance, trying not to get COVID, large percentage of population. And a lot of the things you normally get through the course of day-to-day -day living that you fight off or you get one week or whatever, you didn't get. So last year, we saw very few RSV cases, for instance, but we also saw very few flu cases. Like I was terrified last, you know, a year ago at this time thinking, oh my gosh, right. how are we going to tell the flu people from the COVID people, get the flu people their vaccines, do this with all the risks we didn't, you know, vaccines weren't out, all this stuff going on, trying to run a practice and not wanting to put people at risk. And we didn't see the flu. Well, you didn't see the flu because people weren't out and about, and it's not as contagious or as aggressive as COVID. So what you're seeing now is people, actually the vaccine rate for the flu, I just looked it up, it's, it's about 60% in the country, which is really good. That's higher than it normally is. The best right, yeah, I would say that, yep. Mm -hmm. So it's 60%, but the problem is young people usually don't get the flu shot. I mean, they never have, it's just kind of the way it is. 
they're healthy, they don't think about it, unless they're in healthcare or they've got an elderly relative or things like that, they normally don't get a flu shot. So most don't. So when you go into a college campus, you had this virus that nobody really got any protection from last year. Even if it was a different strain, a different strain gives you some kind of protection. They didn't get it. And now it's just, it runs roughshod. So unvaccinated, kind of a native virus that is hitting people, it's making that attack. Now, older people we're hoping won't necessarily get as sick because they've had a vaccine, which will help them. If you're an older person and you haven't had the vaccine and you know what's out there, I would recommend you get the vaccine because it can protect you. And at this point, if you're young, I'd recommend getting the vaccine because it's a matter of time and it will give you protection. They're very good over the years at the flu. They can really predict like 40 to 60% of what the strains will be. There's they usually, the vaccines usually have protection against three flu strains. And this has been going on for forever. Right. And they try to protect you and they do the best they can. And that 40 to 60%, even if you get the virus, it isn't as severe and it protects people. So that's kind of the, the link between COVID and the and flu and, the and flu. why you're are seeing it in you know close collection of people like a college campus. My my concern is that uh, we're getting to that time of year, and we saw one round of it just this last week, where a lot of those kids from college campuses are going back to their homes and communities, right? So they're actually getting into a point where they're going to take that flu and spread it, and we're going to see it again here in a couple of weeks when they're done with their winter fall courses well, and, and head back to home in the, in the next couple of weeks. And sadly, I can't you know I can't. I can't do anything without thinking about these viruses and right. things. And, um, you know, you mentioned you're out of Penn State. And my youngest daughter went to Penn State. So I became a Big Ten fan. So I'm watching the Michigan Ohio State game. And personally, neither kid went to either of those schools, but I was just thrilled to see Ohio State lose and got great joy out of it. Um, <laughs> you won't get any complaints joy, from this guy on that, Brian. So we'll just leave it at that right now. But, but go that ahead. joy yeah. is short lived because I saw all the students on the field. Hmm. And I'm looking for masks and I'm going, yeah, it's outside, but it's not really outside. They're now on top of each other in Michigan, which is a state which is poorly vaccinated against COVID to begin with and thinking same thing. They're going to be going home. So whether it's the flu or it's COVID, if you haven't been protected, the people at home then can get the viruses. And that's we've always had this, but I think it's ramped it up. Now, I will tell you what I've learned, and it was a great lesson to learn. Naturally, being a physician, and I try to be respectful of everybody, I'm constantly telling people to get vaccinated against COVID, to get the booster, to protect yourself. And I explain the reasons why and try to answer questions. But what I learned, you know, in checking the flu numbers is if you really look at it, even in the best years, half your population still doesn't get a flu vaccine. The problem is COVID is a is significantly more aggressive and it can kill you know, the flu, it's death rates about the people about 36,000 to 70,000 die in a typical year of the flu. They're usually very old or very young. Right. That's what will happen with the flu. Right. COVID, obviously, the numbers are far more dramatic, but it's the same concept. If you can get yourself protection, you can protect yourself from that inevitable problem. But I worry about, you're right, I worry about the families because they might come home to an elderly parent or older parent, somebody maybe who's at risk for the flu or COVID. And they also might have a younger child in the home too, who could be at risk. And you worry about that. We're talking 
talking with Brian McDonough. Dr. McDonough has been part of 1010 Wins uh, and uh, a lot of great radio stations and television stations with his uh, medical information for decades. Um, you know, Brian, as we record this midweek for the podcast to drop early Friday morning, every minute of every day, we get more and more information about uh, the new strain that's uh, you know started to hit the, the world here, the Omicron or Omicron strain. And a couple of things that concern me about it. I think to me, the biggest thing is just the general malaise of our population into, I'm tired of this already. I mean, in our life now, dealing with anything for more than five, 10 minutes for some people is is a real chore. And uh, we're coming into a critical stage with this. I mean, in some ways, if you think about it, I mean, if this was 10, 20, 30 years ago with technology the way it was, we would have been weeks, months of finding out some of this stuff. But now we're finding out in minutes and, and days. And I think that's hard on the psyche too. all of that. So uh, just give me some of your, your initial thoughts. Uh, I know, like I said, everything's changing by the minute, but some of your thoughts about Omicron here as we look at it here middle week. Well, first of all, from a point of perspective and for your podcast, uh, um, listeners I, and viewers, I will tell you, the, one of the funny things that I can't happen to me was, I guess it was the other day because I was taking some time off for Thanksgiving and I heard my wife on the, the phone and she's like going, Oh, no, no, I'm frustrated as well. No, you don't have to live with him. And I'm like, what the heck was that? And she goes, she goes oh, she was just telling so-and-so that, you know, like, I always get the latest COVID news from you, the latest worries from you. And, you know, with all, and she's basically saying, with all due respect, I can't take it anymore. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's an upset. The whole country is like, oh, my goodness. I, you know, I, you know, no, I, I mean, I went to med school. I learned a lot of stuff. All I talk about is COVID. Right, right, right. And, but the reality is because it's so pressing, but there is, you make a good point. The malaise is a concern because people just want it to go away. They want to go back to normal. And we thought, you know, we have the vaccines and we thought, hey, we can be with our families. And the problem you got here is this. One is the media. We have a very responsive media and we have a lot of media that need to get really good ratings. Right. Uh, and that's important. And so excitement gets ratings. But you also have that merged with science. And what many people don't understand about science is it's an ongoing process. I mean, that's why doctors <laughs> have a practice. That's why, as, a, like, as a meteorologist, I understand that. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we're, we're constantly evolving our techniques and we still don't always get it right. Don't get and, it right. And what you, what you think you know right at this minute, you don't really know much of anything at all. It changes. So then all of a sudden somebody says, what do you know about this variant? And then the answer is, it's early. We can't really tell. We know there's 30 mutations on, a, on the spikes, and we know there's 20 mutations in the virus, but we don't know exactly if that's bad or good. We just know there's a lot of mutations. And then in my mind, I know there's probably... Every time you have a virus in your body, there's a chance it mutates in every individual. So there's probably hundreds of COVID variants out there. We don't know what they are, but they found a cluster of something, traced it because of testing the science you're talking about, the ability to do it. And then the poor people in South Africa, they're canceling flights. I'm like, it's not South Africa. It was just responsible enough to report it. Right. Now I'm afraid other countries won't report things now because you get all the flights canceled from different parts of the mm. country, it's around the world already by the time you discover it. Right. So it's out there. So where do we take that information? The first thing is we got to find out, is that virus truly more aggressive? The virus we have out there right now, the Delta variant, 
is one of the most aggressive viruses we've seen. It took COVID and put it on steroids. I was in Provincetown uh, in that first weeks of July when the initial, that was the outbreak of Delta that scared the out of everybody mm-hmm. because of how fast it was spreading. So fortunately, for whatever reason, my vaccination or whatever, I didn't get it, but I had at least 20 friends who did. So yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. And then I think that scare is, here we go again, right? But uh, well, we don't know. First of all, this Omicron or Omicron virus, <laughs> right. it has to beat out Delta. It, it, the odds are it may not even be able to beat out Delta. It seems to be aggressive. If it does, the next thing is, well, maybe it's not as bad as Delta. Like if it beats out Delta, maybe it's not harmful. Right now, it doesn't appear as harmful, but it's only attacked young people that we've seen. And it, we don't have a three-week period to see if the hospitalizations follow. So we have Correct. to watch. So what people say is we don't know. Then they bring up the question about the vaccine. Will vaccines work? Well, we hope they do. Well, the reality is the vaccines, they can turn them on a dime. I mean, they literally can. They can turn the mRNA vaccines on a dime. When, when you're saying that, you mean they can change the makeup of it yeah. quickly to respond to whatever virus or whatever right. the, the phase of the virus is at that point right. that they need to continue to fight going forward. Right. So here's what we know about the, vi- the vaccines right now, the present vaccines and the future. Present vaccines are if you got Johnson & Johnson after two months, you should get a booster. If you got Moderna or Pfizer and you have the two doses, six months later, you should get a booster because we know they start to wane. And by wane means you're more vulnerable to getting it or you probably won't get as sick as you would if you never were vaccinated, but it starts to wane. So we kind of know, much like flu, for COVID, we're gonna be getting vaccines for quite some time, probably every year. You might get a flu and COVID shot, whatever. But the knowledge has to be, you might get the virus, but you won't get severely sick and you hopefully won't have long COVID. There's no reason with what we know about Omicron to think that would be any different. Being vaccinated will help you. But let's just say the vaccines we have are 85 and 90 percent effective, which is just amazing. We never had that in the history of vaccines. Let's just say all of a sudden it's only 40 percent against Omicron. Think of argument. Well, they can get in the lab and they can take Omicron now and it's all based on the spikes. They can tweak it so that a vaccine will attack Omicron. And what they should be doing right now is they should, and I'm sure they are, they should be all working on vaccines against potential variants that are out there. That's why testing is so important. You test, you find out what's out there in the community. So if I'm talking to just somebody listening, I'm saying, relax. First of all, if you're with your family, let's say Christmas, you've all been, or holidays, you're all vaccinated and you know everybody's vaccinated, nobody's had a fever or anything, like like uh, the doctors were saying on the thing, you can don't have to wear a mask. You can have a really good time with your family. If somebody's not vaccinated, then all rules are off. You all have to wear your mask because really you have to protect that person who's not vaccinated because they could still get very sick and die because they don't have any protection. If you've gotten the virus itself, that immunity doesn't last as long as the vaccines. It only lasts about three, four, four months. So if you got through COVID, you, you got through it, you were lucky, whatever happened, you, you got through it, that, that, that immunity is almost gone in four months, whereas the vaccines, so you need a booster um, several months after you got COVID as well. So the key here is vaccines, making sure you're around people who are vaccinated. And if you're not, especially if you're not outdoors, 
you know, wear masks, isolate, you know, protect yourself. Right. And protect your, the others, like you said. Right. And then, and then the other thing I would think as a, as a general practitioner and somebody, I'd be really concerned about how much health problems now have been swept under the rug oh. that we're so far behind with people. And uh, it, that's got to be as a, as a, a clinical physician, somebody that it's something that's really frustrating to you because, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and scary, right? As a doctor, to, to, that you're going to have to tell people that, you know, we didn't catch this in time, you know, and all those kinds of things. Well, here's what's happening in healthcare. Like, for instance, just routine blood pressure checks, um, checking your blood sugar, getting hemoglobin A1Cs, mammograms, colonoscopies, all, all the people who are afraid to go in, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. They don't want to do it who haven't gotten care or have fallen behind in care. And the other thing that's happening, and, I, and again, not to be an alarmist, but you, what you're seeing too now in healthcare is um, a lot of burnout. Uh, what you had is people who, you know, as somebody told me today, I was on a phone call. It was a, it was an intensive care doctor, and he said, you know, in the first eight months or so, we appreciated it, but like the fire trucks were coming mm-hmm. by, people were applauding, they were sending us pizza and sandwiches and we were scared to death about getting the virus, but we did what we did. Then the vaccines came. And he says, now everybody's Dr. Google and there's that they, they're in the ICU and they're complaining about their care and everybody's fried. So they go, the nurses are saying, you know, I, I helped, I got through it. And the older nurses are leaving. Yep. And you've got young nurses. And so you're seeing like a 30% reduction. You're seeing doctors saying, you know, I got through, I did what I could, but you know, now we're in this situation and that's very dangerous too, because yep. everyone deserves their care. And also we talk about the illness, the ICU are full of people with COVID and you're not necessarily getting the people in with chest pain and other issues. They either, they, we've seen it, they had to go to other hospitals or they're in the emergency room having their heart attack treated for, for days on end because there's not enough beds. So we're really in a situation where if we get laid back again, that has a, a spinoff. So, you know, I, what I suggest is you want to live life. You know, as I said to my wife, you know, like you get older, you figure you want to make sure you take time to travel. You don't want to you hear these horror stories of people that never took time. But now you're not traveling because you can. Right. And you're and that frustrates you. Right. So all, our whole worlds are there. So do, do the best you can and um, just realize that we're learning as we go. But we're so much better off than we were last year at this time. All right. So I, I know that's kind of a doom and gloom situation a little bit, but let's leave people with a little bit of brightness. Uh, Brian, um, I, I think there's some things that we need to look forward to and, and get happy about and, and be excited about in this whole situation. Right. I'm so glad you said that. I think here's the first thing. When you talk about, you know, people tend to focus on the negative and, and, and certainly you should focus on things you're scared of. But even the negative and people, you know, by and large, I have seen people do wonderful things and people being supportive and doing what they can to help others. I mean, over and over again, communities getting together and working together in the face of this. And I think that's a positive. I think the second positive is really looking back at where we were before we had vaccines, when we were just thinking, what are we ever going to do? And the fact that we have mobilized as a country and we've done those things and that the scientists are on it. And then the final thing is, I think, there's, there's a closer bond in many respects between, you know, physicians, nurses, uh, PAs, everybody and their patients because they're all in this together more. So there, there are a lot of positives. And um, the mere fact that we're talking about, you know, the 
psychosocial aspects of right. healthcare at a community. Right, right. I mean, they're not conversations we normally have. No. And I think that's real important. It's it's humanized us all. And um, I've said it forever, but I mean, you, you know, be careful if you're a doctor who wants to be put on a pedestal because then you have to live life on a pedestal. What you <laughs> want to do is just say that, you know, we're all working on this together and we're making the best of it. And I think if we're understanding that, I think people are beginning to realize like, Nobody really has all the answers. They have some of the answers and you do the best you can with what we got. And it is a lot like meteorology and you, where you, you, you look at things and you just, you make the best with the knowledge you have. And you work together and go forward. Brian, thanks exactly. for uh, this conversation and all your years of service, helping people understand some of the uh, difficulties in, and problems in healthcare and, and, and giving that education that's so necessary. Thanks, Brian. Well, it was a pleasure and an honor to join you too after all this time working together and not see each other. <laughs> we'll try to keep the weather good for you, my friend. Thank you. So much great information in there. I think I could have spent another hour talking with Brian. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Dr. Brian McD is his Twitter handle, drbrianmcd. And you can certainly get information from him from uh, the 1010 Winds website. Uh, I know also uh, KYW in Philadelphia, television and uh, radio as well. Certainly uh, keep track of Brian's situation. And thanks again to Dr. Young from the CDC. So that's the situation with flu and COVID and your health. What's the situation about the weather? going into this first weekend of December. I'll take a moment, come back in a minute or two and talk to you about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we start to wrap up our very first winter series episode here in the winter of 2021-2022. We've got some things to watch as we look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. There's going to be a storm system that streaks across the northern tier of the country as we go through the weekend, spreading snow from places like Washington State, Idaho, Montana, and northern parts of North Dakota, and into the northern Great Lakes. As that storm gets going in the middle of the country, it's going to spread rain showers uh, later in the weekend, Chicago down to St. Louis, and uh, those rain showers start heading eastward. That storm is going to eventually pull into the northeast. Now, it looks like the snow and icy situation from this storm stays locked into the interior parts of New England as we get into Monday and Tuesday next week. Could be a really wet, windy, warm mess along the eastern seaboard to start as we go through uh, Monday, but then it looks like that colder air will crash in, and that's another thing to think about. Even in the places like Chicago and Detroit, where Sunday is primarily rain or some mixed snow, there could be some rapid freeze-ups as we get Sunday night into Monday morning there. And of course, that may be repeated interior parts of the country, interior parts of the Northeast as we get then Monday into Tuesday. So those are all things that you need to watch. The rest of the country pretty quiet. In fact, very mild in the Southeast and dry this weekend. We've got a windy situation for folks that are going to be out. Some Santa Ana situations and wind and problems in the West, so not a 
really terrible wind event there, but certainly something that we need to, to look at. And certainly that wind and situation will create temperatures uh, warmer than average in places after a real warm surge out in the Pacific Northwest. That warmth kind of remains locked into the Southwest. So again, especially along the northern tier of the United States for the snow situation, the rain, and maybe the rapid freeze-up situation in the Great Lakes over the latter part of the weekend. And as this storm heads into the Northeast and New England for the early part of next week, things that you need to keep an eye on. Could be another storm following on its heels middle of the upcoming week. So looks like we're off to a fast start with the storms coming fast and furious in the Northeast here as uh, winter, meteorological winter, starts getting going here. And certainly we're less than the three weeks. In fact, just a little over two weeks now from the winter solstice. Speaking of winter, some of the best sky gazing can come in the winter because of the longer nights, clearer skies. And coming up next week on Everything Under the Sun, we'll visit again with our friend Brian Leda, AccuWeather meteorologist who kind of curates our AccuWeather astronomy group and our website and certainly our Twitter account. And we've got some great meteor showers coming up and some great alignments in the planets. We saw that just last month in November. and We got another repeat of that and a solar eclipse that not many people are going to see. Those are the celestial highlights for December, and we'll talk to Brian about that and talk about other things where the weather meets your life. That's what we do here on Everything Under the Sun. For all of our great teammates at AccuWeather who try very hard every day to keep your life weatherproof, and all the folks behind the scenes that work so hard to keep that information flowing, we thank them and we thank you for listening, and I thank my executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb. For our guests, Dr. Michael Young and Dr. Brian McDonald, and all of us at Everything Under the Sun. Have a great week and weekend. We'll talk to you next week, episode two of our winter series. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.